Welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics, and on this podcast, we have honest, explicit, wholesome conversations about sex, pleasure, love, and connection. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com, where you will find all of the resources we have been creating for you since 2006, since we met in the oily rooms of sexological bodywork training and devoted our lives together to sharing the tools and strategies so you can experience more pleasure, more joy, and deeper connection. You'll find it all waiting for you at pleasuremechanics.com. On today's episode, we wanted to explore a concept that's been bouncing around in my head for the past year or so, as Charlotte and I have been opening up our marriage to dating new people and exploring erotic connections with other people. I've been in, you know, many, many incredible conversations with many beautiful humans about their desires. And, you know, in many ways, I've been in this conversation with tens of thousands of humans, you all beautiful souls, um, and have devoted my life to this conversation. But the conversation is different when it's personal, right? And I'm negotiating and navigating my own dating life. And also asking myself the question that we have asked you all so many times and that we, you know, create resources around exploring, you know, the question of like, what do you want? Like, you can date now. Here are the apps with all of these incredible humans. What do you want? How do we get specific? And so I've really been exploring all of these ideas and really like, because I am a very expansive erotic creature. And first of all, asking myself why, like, can I get any more specific about what I want? Or am I really so like, omni polymorphously perverse as I feel like I am sometimes like I feel like I can get off on so much and on so many different dynamics that it kind of becomes overwhelming because then I can like date and play with anyone. And so how do you get more specific? And how do you allow your own desires to emerge in relationship and in response to your partner's desires? Because part of this too, and I was just talking to a lover about this last night, is we live in a pretty rural area. We're not in a city where like the dating apps are endless, right? It's like we have a limited pool of humans. And I would rather fall in love and date humans that I really admire and appreciate as humans and then find out where our Venn diagrams of desires overlap, right? Then like look for a specific kink. Like I like pegging, I love pegging. But if I lead with that, like will that lead me to the humans that I most wanna connect with? I don't know. And in a way I don't have that option as a rural dater. My point is, so (laughs) (laughs) responsive kink, because we think about spontaneous versus responsive desire. And this is a concept that's well vetted in the sexology field, spontaneous desire being like that libido and desire that want for sex that just rises up from within you. And it's like, "Mm, sex, yes, now I'm horny, horniness, spontaneous desire, Versus responsive desire, where it's like something begins and it feels good. And so you turn towards it and your body says, yum, yes. And you say more and you build that fire slowly, right? You're responding to input and stimuli. And both forms of desire are really valid and legitimate. 
And when we think about kink, so often people think about kinks and fetishes as like something deep down within them that's kind of innate to who we are. And we just have to find out like, what am I into? And it's this like labyrinth internal question. And it is, but it can also be a social responsive dialogue with the world around you and with the people you find yourself in love with and relationship with and wanting to play with. Right. We think of kink as being something that's in you or it's not in you. Like you're vanilla or kinky in in this world right. where we we like to create binaries. But and then if you're kinky, like what are you? Are you dom or sub? And right. then if you're into that, like okay, are you this or are you that? Like we and we have all these online tests to like sort us into categories. But is that how eroticism works, we must ask? Well, let us ask that, (laughs) because we are social sexual beings. And so we actually create our sexuality partly in response to each other um, and witnessing each other and being seen by each other and being inspired by each other erotically. So I just love this idea of responsive kink, because I feel like it gives us this whole new world of possibility where who you are right now and what you are turned on by right now is not a fixed state. That there could be so many things that come into your sphere and awareness that could light you up, that could turn you on, that you just don't know about yet, that you haven't had intimate um, exposure to. Mm. And what could happen if we explored or we allowed ourselves to think about the world as having erotic possibilities that might evoke our own desire and turn on? I feel like it creates so much erotic possibility and like we begin to see the world as like having infinite erotic possibilities that we might still. I mean, infinite indeed, right? But at least to crack that window open a little bit. Uh Because for so many of us, like we think of ourselves as fixed erotic beings, as you were saying, instead of like changeable, dynamic uh, in the always in the process of becoming right yeah. and how sexy is that verb becoming like let's always becoming <laughs> and you know like responsive to what then becomes the question if we can accept this idea that our kinks and our desires and our turn-ons and what do we mean by kinks like for me that word is a very beautiful expansive term that like anything that turns you on beyond the obvious mm. you know and what is obvious to you is not obvious to someone else and that's what it invites us into creativity expansion and acceptance like a deep acceptance that as human beings we can be turned on by just about anything. Mm -hmm. And this is part of my responsive kink stance in the world because I have literally spent my life talking to other people about sex Mm -hmm. since my earliest playground memories. This is what I've spent most of my time doing. Um, And then at bigger and bigger scale as I grew older. And I hear people's most intimate stories. You all, podcast listeners, pleasure mechanics, community members, share with us your most intimate stories and struggles and breakthrough moments. And I hear what lights you up and what brings you joy. And I'm in intimate conversation with like all of my friends about their sex life. And I see how expansive this thing is. And when you get into the kink and fetish world, you realize that like, not only is it weird or abnormal that I'm turned on by girls sitting in cakes, there's actually whole events that are designed to celebrate the fun and the pleasure and the joy of 
people sitting in cakes and then other people maybe or maybe not even licking that icing off, right? Um, and so if we can like get in touch with what turns us on and then approach the world with this curiosity and this like open eyes and wonder of like, wow, there is so much possible that then when we are with a lover, so responsive to what? So that's the basic premise. And can we get ourselves on board with this idea that there might be so much arousal and turn on and interest and fun available to you that's just not lit up yet. It's just hasn't been exposed to you. No one's talked to you about it. Or it's been kind of locked behind layers of self-denial, self-abnegation because we live in a sex-phobic culture, right? Like the odds are against us and that is stacked differently for different people. I was just talking to someone who grew up with a sex educator mom and had all the books around her and like groups of people in her living room constantly. And like that's a different um, way of growing up than a lot of people have. What am I trying to say there? Wow, I'm responsibly lit up to this topic. <laughs> because I guess like, for me, it's a privilege and an honor to have um, so many people trust me with their intimate details of what they're into. And this is all available on the internet, right? Like you go to erotica sites or porn, or you start going into forums or FetLife, or there's all different kinds of places where you can start witnessing the human erotic condition with a little bit more curiosity and what your little baby steps or big leaps into that are up to you. But responsive doesn't have to be to a lover sitting right in front of you. Right. Because we're social sexual beings, we can gain erotic inspiration from a huge variety of sources. Yeah. Um, as you said, through porn, through audio erotica, through images, all of these are input where we're exposing ourselves to different erotic ideas. And in that process, we can begin to notice where there's curiosity, where there is a no, where there is mm. a yes, where there's a maybe. Mm. And let's be clear that as we're talking about responsive kink and responsive desire around kinky stuff, we are mm. still saying that, of course, you can have a no, right? Like there are going to be some things that are a clear no for you. No and is a very good honor response. that, right? And then there are some <laughs> yeses and strong yeses. And then mm. there are some maybes if you learn more about them, if you um, dispel some myths that create some shame or some fear or, or feel like it's too risky. Mm -hmm. You know, once we gain more information, there can start to be more of a yes around some mm -hmm. subjects. So there are so many ways to have more kinky exposure either online or in person, or through learning about other people's experience where people are sharing what they're turned on by. And sometimes that can open up a lot of possibilities where it's something that you haven't thought about or been exposed to, but then you hear why somebody else finds it really hot and is really turned on by it. And you can begin to see what that's all about. So we can be responsive to the world around us, right? But it's, of course, a really different thing to be responsive to a lover who's sharing something really vulnerable, a turn on that feels um, private and intimate and is a really like precious thing that they're sharing with us. Well, you use the word precious, right? Like it is a gift. Anytime yeah. someone is telling you something they want, making an ask from you, sharing a desire, like that's a gift mm -hmm. of intimacy and vulnerability. And when we are met with these gifts, sometimes like we don't recognize what we're seeing. And sometimes our brain like starts reacting. And all of these things get in our way from allowing ourselves the opportunity 
of responsiveness, mm-hmm. right? So after we take a break to thank our sponsors for this episode, I want to take a minute and zoom in on this conversation when you're with someone you're either dating, right? And like, is this person for me? Are we a good fit sexually? Are we erotically compatible, right? Like dating is a lot of asking those questions, which also, of course, is the question of like, who am I? What am I bringing to this? Mm. Dating has been an erotic journey, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. But or you're with your long term partner, which I am also with. Hello, beloved of 16 years, right? And (laughs) we are coming into a new erotic season. And so Mm -hmm. we're having a lot of these conversations together with a partner of 16 years, the mother of my child, right? Um, My partner in business, like the stakes couldn't be higher. And we're opening ourselves up and getting naked and being like, what do you want? Now at this point in life, right? right? Because we've had those conversations before, but we get to have them again as life changes and conditions change. This is the beauty of it all. Right, because it's like an ongoing question because yeah. we are different humans now at 42, 43 than we were at 26. Mm-hmm. And what an opportunity to then be responsive to one another, be like, oh, you're into that? Like mm-hmm. that's feeling interesting to you? Like we don't even have to understand why, but we can start getting curious. Mm-hmm. So we want to thank our sponsors for this episode, two offerings that help you get curious about your own pleasures, your own wants and likes and desires. One of the tools we use most and we love to recommend is dipsystories.com. Dipsy offers a huge library, an ever-growing resource of audio stimulation, erotica stories, immersive soundscapes, and beautiful ways to explore what your body responds to. Because when we say responsive kink, we're literally talking about how does your erotic body respond to this idea, this concept. And there's no more efficient way really than to flip through an app, try on different stories. If you don't like it, you can just change it. And you can explore so many different erotic energies. Take it for a spin at dipsystories.com slash pleasure for 30 days of full access to this powerful erotic oracle. We cannot recommend this highly enough. They are long-term friends of the show, dipsystories.com slash pleasure. That's D-I-P-S-E-A, dipsystories.com slash pleasure for 30 days full access. You will find this link in the show notes and along with all of the other links from our sponsors at pleasuremechanics.com slash toolbox. And for those of us who have been exploring our desires and are ready to luxuriate in an immersive experience at an erotic retreat, if you hear that invitation and you say yes to that and you are a vulva owner, you are going to want to check out the offerings from backtothebody.org. Back to the Body Sexual Wellness Retreats for Women transport you to beautiful locations where you can express and explore yourself in a nurturing, non-judgmental environment. Pamela and her team at Back to the Body will use their expertise to guide you through transformative, whole-body healing journeys that's tailored to fit your specific needs. 
If you hear this invitation and it feels right for you right now, go to backtothebody.org, explore their retreats, find one that fits your needs. Use the code PLEASURE for $500 off your retreat. Let them know Pleasure Mechanics sent you and enjoy. You will find this link in the show notes and along with all of our other sponsors at pleasuremechanics.com slash toolbox. So we're talking about responsive kink. We're inviting you into this idea that as erotic beings, we are changeable and dynamic and flexible. But if we get curious about what turns other people on, there's something very human about responding to that, right? When we share our joys and pleasures, we have a response to that as humans. We feel this in all these other realms of life, right? Like sports are nothing but like shared joy in a ball moving around a field, right? And we can understand how that lights one another up. And you see someone with like a jersey on and it's like, go birds. And it's like, (laughs) right? We share, it lights us up to share our joys. And so when we can excavate what turns us on and listen to our fellow human beings, especially the ones we are in relationship to, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can do this as a practice out in the world, on social media, on porn sites with tools such as Dipsy, right? And start exploring what is possible and then learning what lights us up. But the response in a way that is has like the most stakes behind it is when you're sitting with someone you care about, you're either dating or in a relationship, and you start telling one another about what turns you on. And often this is like, you know, you're at some point of intimacy. And some people do this like right away with dating, but sometimes it happens like deep into a marriage and you're starting to disclose things like, honey, I've always wanted to be pegged, right? And we've been teaching prostate massage since our beginning. This was our first project in the world. So we hear a lot about people exploring their butts for the first time and the range of reactions they get from partners, But it's a perfect example where a lot of like misinformation, lack of information, myths, um, stigma, past bad experiences, like all of those things can stack up against us to preload a negative reaction to someone's vulnerable disclosure. Mm -hmm. And that's a reaction Mm -hmm. rather than a response of like, oh, wow, thank you for telling me this. What, is, what do you like about it? And that question of like, what do you enjoy about it is a great one to like, take a pause, give you some time to like, be in the moment of charge that this is right. This is always kind of charged, you can feel it in the air. Um, and learn more. So again, it's that curious response instead of a like reaction. I love that so much. I feel like if this is something we can all open to just incrementally, we can create a different sex culture together. So I'm just going to reiterate that. So Chris (laughs) is just talking about when we hear something from someone we love, someone we desire or out in the world, we hear a desire that is new to us, that is a question mark, instead of reacting with ew or ugh, or any of those reactions. Or a fear, like sometimes uh-huh. it's ooh and uck, and sometimes it's a fear of like, oh, I thought I knew who you were, right? Because it's yeah. the own person's fear of loss of the connection that then creates a lack of connection. 
right? And so it's like if the person you thought you knew and the person you thought you married or the person you thought you were attracted to introduces a new part of themselves, you can lose that footing for a moment of like, oh, I thought I knew who you were. And that's why it's so vulnerable and so charged and so raw and so intimate. Or you think you know what the kink means about the person or what it, like a lot of the things that people disclose, like you will think it means something different than it actually does. Mm -hmm. And so again, this is where the curiosity comes in. And if we think about traveling, right? And what is ethical travel? How do we travel to other people's cultures or homes? Like if you're invited into someone's home and you see something you don't understand, like you don't want to swat it away and break it, you know, like, what is that? Ah, get it away from me. Or you don't want to question it or assign ethical value to it because you don't Mm -hmm. understand it, Mm -hmm. right? And something like a bidet like might be totally new to you and then you try it once and you're like, oh, actually that feels really good, (laughs) right? We do not have a bidet sponsor, we should. But then so it's responding in that moment. Instead of reacting, you're taking a moment, you're taking a pause, you're activating your compassion and your curiosity, and you are responding with a question. Mm -hmm. Oh, what turns you on about that? What interests you about that? What lights you up about that? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? Such an important question. So we're just activating our curiosity and really asking so then we can hear what is turning somebody on about that because there can be so many different reasons so many different energies so many different flavors for why something is erotic for somebody Mm. and it's a real invitation into desire into turn on and then like our empathetic selves can can wonder like oh is that interesting to me Mm -hmm. what do i feel about that right and then that's an interesting moment. Well, because there's the part of that that most of us enjoy pleasing our partners and seeing our partners in pleasure, mm-hmm. right? Like one of the most universal things we hear from folks is how arousing it is to turn on our partners and see our partners aroused. Uh-huh. And this is just us as human sexual beings, mm-hmm. right? It's one of the like most universal truths. And so if we get aroused seeing our partners turned on, then why wouldn't we want to know what turns them on, what lights them up, what creates a little edge of excitement and vulnerability? Because a lot of kinks, it's like, it's the things we only pull out when we feel safe enough. Mm. And that edge is very tender and sensitive, right? Um, And our own participation in it is very negotiable. And I think this is Mm. one of the things of like the reaction says, if that is true about you, then to please you, this whole thing has to be true about me. And like, so again, that like connection is called into being, we get a fear response, we get a shame response, and we break the connection. Mm. When the question is like, how can I support you and your kinks? What is a response I can give you? Even if it's just like a neutral, like, that's nice for you, sweetie. (laughs) Like, thank you for sharing that with me. I don't find much turn on in that, but like have fun exploring that in your fantasies, right? Right. Or watching porn about it and leave it at that. But like, you now have the like shared connection and that like intimacy of that disclosure. And that will make anything else you do Mm -hmm. more tender and yummy and thrilling. Well, neutrality still takes away a charge. It's not negative. Like that is a, there's a certain level of acceptance even in neutrality. And so that is, that is still a gift. And if that is your authentic truth, then that is a win. And maybe there's an adjacent thing that you're both into, or when you get more specific and what I was saying about your participation in it. So like something like 
you know, uh, adult diapering, right? Like, which for a lot of people would be like a very like surprising disclosure. Um, but like, if you can ask your partner what they're into about it, like you can find the way you might be able to participate and still find it exciting and entertaining. And like that might grow over time. And again, responsive kink. Sometimes the first response is like, oh, and then you hear more about it and you're like, huh. And then you see it in action or like your partner shares a site that they find hot or images they find hot. And you're like, hmm, okay, I can see it, right? And like the interest grows. This doesn't have to be all at once, right? I think sometimes the phrases like GGG, right? Like I'm good giving in game from Dan Savage. Like to be game, like you don't have to be game for everything all at once, especially these areas you don't know much about, right? That's too much to ask of one another, but we can ask for empathy and compassion and curiosity, especially in these vulnerable moments of disclosure. You know, and one of the things one of my lovers said to me early on, he's like one of my least kinky lovers. Like I had my tool bag. So I was going on another date and I had my tool bag in the back of the car and I pulled out a flogger and I was like, you know, if you ever want to try this and his eyes went wide and he was like, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. Like, even if I can't go with you, I like to see what excites you, you know, and if I can't go down that path with you, like I'll root you on. And it just created this space of like freedom for me to be who I am, even if that's not where we meet. Mm. And then where we do meet is informed by all of who we are and right, like our whole selves can be there and there's no shame and like, you know, and so it's a beautiful gradual process for a lot of us of revealing ourselves to one another but then like responding to one another and the what we haven't talked about and like we're ah we should wrap this episode but what we haven't talked about is like all the exciting fun and play that comes when you find your ven overlap when you find where it's like oh my god you're into that too and this is how i might get into that and it gives you permission to be kinky right if your partner's telling you they want to be more submissive and you're all of a sudden asked to like, who am I as a more dominant partner? How do I take command? What would it mean for me to be in charge? What do I want you to do for me? Like, you'll clean my floors if I ask you to? Great. Like, I hate sweeping. Go for it and shake your bum while you're at it, right? Like, it starts opening up all this playfulness. Responsiveness is play. And, you know, we weren't even thinking about this as we went into the episode, but if you want resources for this, we do have a whole course about it. Mm -hmm. Our kink course is designed as 25 date nights that guide you in finding this specificity. Mm -hmm. So it's like, great, you want to play with power. What does that mean to you? And then how do you actually look at those things together and find where those energies will mix and match? And how do we get creative about that? Um, great, you're into sensation play. Here are 25, 50? 50. 50. 50 kinds of sensation to play with. Let's get specific about how we want to play with them. Specificity matters, and it allows us to have that responsiveness of like figuring out how to play well with one another. <laughs> Chris is saying 50 because we have a beautiful video that shows 50 different kinds of sensation play, which is a beautiful erotic evocation that you can watch and notice what you respond to. What what does light you up? What 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 do you feel curious about? Where and really you know? all of our yeah. video guides, whether it's the 50 sensations in the kink course, 
if in our foreplay course, you watch the erotic touch guides with your lover, like you will see some strokes. And this is what's beautiful about our human brains and bodies. You will see some of the strokes of Charlotte's beautiful hands touching. And you will be like, that feels good. Mm. You'll know you want it. Mm. And you can say to your partner, try that on me. And then they can watch the video, they can rewind it, watch it again, hear what we have to say, and try it out. And then when we try out what we are excited about, our worlds expand. Mm. All right, enough for today. Um, We love you. We have so much more for you. We're both pretty, like, do we drink extra coffee this morning? Or (laughs) I don't know. Animated. Um, I think this topic really lights us up because it is a pathway into boundless pleasure and limitless possibilities. But don't let that overwhelm you. Yeah, and allow yourself (laughs) to have your nose. I think that example that you shared from your lover is such a beautiful way of saying accepting who you are while also having a no. Like it's a really beautiful modeling for how you can have how you can be a caring, responsive person Mm -hmm. and still have boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that we're just talking about all of this erotic possibility that is there and available for us that we can play with and explore together. You know, because responsive kink, it's also we also didn't talk about the relationality, the deep relationality, because it's saying like, I want to play with you. Let's find out how we can play together in a way that is deeply pleasurable and safe and satisfying and enjoyable for both of us right? Oh, we but we talk you. about that in other, yeah, responsive desire, finding the Venn diagram, exploring what you want to explore together. It is, there's so much more that we don't even know so often. And like, yeah. how do we have the conversations to evoke and get curious about what's there mm-hmm. and then bring a whole heaping handful of compassion? Um. <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> All right. We will see you next time with another episode of Speaking of Sex. If you like what you hear and you want more from us, go to pleasuremechanics.com where you will find our entire podcast archive and also our online courses where we guide you stroke by stroke in developing new erotic skills, where we give you the interactive exercises to get specific about who you are as an erotic creature. And we give you pathways and strategies to ask for and receive more pleasure in your life. You'll find it all at pleasuremechanics.com. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics. Wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. <laughs>